Welcome into Isms That Cause Schisms. I'm your host, Celeste, and I'm joined by Pastor Jeff Geip and Professor Brian Nixon, who in a moment will be educating us on several of the great isms that are causing schisms, or as you might say, divisions, in our society and church. This episode, we're beginning a discussion on two engaging topics, scientism and intellectualism. And a quick housekeeping note so you know what you're in for here. In each episode, our approach is going to lay out threefold. First, we'll direct ourselves to scripture. Second, define our terms. And third, discuss the topics at hand. So let's get into it. With the book of Ecclesiastes as our home base for this series, I'm going to set the stage for our first topic, which is scientism, with a quote from the author of Ecclesiastes, who writes, The wind blows south and then turns north. Around and around it goes blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we're never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. That's Ecclesiastes 1 verses 6 through 8 in the New Living Translation. Okay, gentlemen, take the wheel. Your turn to talk. What exactly is going on here? I'm thinking, Jeff, maybe you could tell us what the author of Ecclesiastes is getting at. Yeah, it appears to me that the author has spent some time taking a scientific look on how things work in nature. He's observing what is happening in the natural world. He gives a hypothesis. Uh, He runs a model. He analyzes the data, and he shares his findings with others. And his findings are very telling, aren't they? (laughs) Wearisome, beyond description, never satisfied, not content. And so I think it's important that the, the author is not saying that science is bad. Science is good. We are so thankful that God has created people with scientific minds. When we think about the technology and the medicine and all of the different things that have scientists have brought into this world. So he's not saying that it's that it's bad. He's just saying that science without God leads you to wow. not being satisfied. It's like an empty loop. It just keeps going. Just What's going the point? And going. It's weird. Exactly right. Yes. I could totally see that perspective. <laughs> that definitely helps to lighten the text a little bit <laughs> right, for me. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So Brian, can you help us define the terms now when it comes to our topic today? What can you tell us about scientism? Well, scientism as a system of thought or philosophy really holds that all things in life are scientifically explained. And they're explained either through logic, through mathematics, or through biological constructs. And therefore, generally speaking, reject God, metaphysics, and so on and so forth. Here's how physicist Richard Olson defines scientism. Efforts to extend scientific ideas, methods, practices, and attitudes to matters of human and social political concern. So what they do is they take what we would call science, the realm of science and try to apply it to a lot of different things. But the key thing is that they a lot of times push God out or push out any kind of philosophical notion of God and, and such. So it really is a model upon which our society is trying to understand the world without a theistic understanding. A, a, a physicist by the e, a name of Ian Hutchison put it this way, science modeled on the natural science is the only source of real 
knowledge. So they're saying, hey, ethics, not real knowledge. Hmm. Religion, not real knowledge. Um, you know, morals, eh, not real knowledge. The only real knowledge out there is that which can be scientifically explained and understood. And that, of course, leads to various problems, various um, uh, pivot points where those who believe have a theistic worldview, they believe there's a God, and those who believe just in a materialistic type worldview is because life is more than just the physical. As a matter of fact, what we're doing right now is metaphysical, right? When I'm speaking to you guys, you're not seeing words come out of my mouth. You're not seeing physical entities. You're seeing metaphysical thoughts and you're processing them through your imagination. So all of this is metaphysical. And what's also interesting about this is even within scientism, they say you need both mathematic and logical proofs to to underscore to prove. Well, interestingly enough, both of those are metaphysics. You know, <laughs> math doesn't exist in the real world. Wow. It's a human construct, you know, of, 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 you know, you don't go out and say a number one, I found it. <laughs> you, there isn't the a number one. one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, 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 and same thing with logic. Logic are imaginative metaphysical constructs. So it's circular reasoning in some sense wow. with a, a deep dive on scientism, but where it really becomes a problem within the church is that there are individuals who just want to follow the science, you know, at the expense of scripture. And then conversely, there are those who just want to follow scripture and ignore the science. Hmm. And we have to remember as Christians, God created two books. He wrote two books. Mm -hmm. He wrote the book of nature or the book of the world. And he wrote that first. And that's where the sciences explore the natural world. And he wrote the book of the Bible. Same author, two books. And so we as Christians, as Jeff eloquently stated, it's not, it, we don't have the prerogative to, se- to separate the two. They're two books by the same author. And so what we have to do is, to the best of our ability, try to understand both books within the, the spherical world of theology and, and the natural sciences. So it's not faith or science or faith and reason it's it's faith and reason you need you need both to get a full orbed understanding right. as i told jeff earlier this morning when we were kind of prepping for this and talking through it i said when we look outside and we look outside the windows here in the studio and we see pine trees i see the sandia mountains we see beautiful landscape well those are god's thoughts made visible mm-hmm. and so so contrary to what scientism says, there is a metaphysical world, ideas, imagination, love, emotions, all these things we can't see, including math and logic and what have you. But the problem in the church is that we take sides heavily on one or the other. And let me just give a quick example. I know we've got to get to other other topics, but let's just use the issue of the origins, creation. And generally speaking, there's four there's four major theories of the creation of the world. I would say propose that there's five, but you have a young earth, you have an old earth, you have a gap theory, and then you have theistic evolution. And then really what I call a vantage point or point of view, which is a hybrid of 
which we won't unpack. But each of these camps adhere to their position very strongly, but then they attack and, and mock or criticize other groups. And I think there is times where we could sit down and have conversations and discuss and debate the pros and cons of things. But a lot of times we like to air our dirty laundry for others to see. And that's missing the point of the unity and love that we are to have as a church. Mm -hmm. So where scientism creeps in in the church is we adhere to particular viewpoints with a lot of gusto, Mm -hmm. and then we forget virtue and ethics and love and consideration and grace and mercy towards those who may disagree with us. And so we become non-Christian in how we're dealing with, you know, things. So that's it a little bit on scientism, on my point of view of, of, (laughs) you know, of, of what it teaches and some of the problems with it. And I think, um, it's something that really needs to be addressed within, you know, a, a very considerate and compassionate, um, format, like what we're trying to do. Yeah. Right. Totally. I mean, Jeff, that makes me, I want to know kind of what your experience is, you know, as um, pastoring at your church and places that you've been, how have you seen scientism kind of creeping up in conversations or, you know, kind of splintering in relationships or things like that? Have you seen things like that? Yes. Um, Brian and I were talking about that last night. Um, A very close friend of mine, a person at our church and his wife were actually engineers, um, aeronautical engineers that set GPS into space. Wait, are these rocket scientists? They are rocket scientists. They are they rockets. Exist. They exist. They are They're real. real. <laughs> and uh, and his, his statement was, you know, especially in the division of old earth, new earth, which has caused a separation in the body of Christ, sadly. And his thing is, you know, um, science, because of Einstein's theory of relativity, you know, we can tell that time is speeding up. And that the old earth and the new earth can totally be reconciled if we took time to think about it through faith. And that's what I love about Brian's humble hermeneutics is that we take a humble approach to this because there are wonderful scientists that love the Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. And um, and they do take a humble approach to that. And the, the reason for that is because they fear God. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they know there's a creator and then they spend time doing that. And... Solomon goes at the very end of Ecclesiastes, and this is a very common thread throughout the entire Bible, is that we are to fear God, you know, and he goes on to say that the end of the matter, you know, the completion is that, that all, after everything is heard, fear God and keep his commandments for the, this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. And just the only thing I want to point out about that is the word duty makes you feel like there's certain duties that you have to do, yeah. right? But the word in the Hebrew isn't there. What it's really saying, it, the whole man is experienced when we fear God and keep his commandments. You're feeling emptiness. You want to feel fullness. Fear God and keep his commandments. Hmm. Wow, that's so interesting. And and I've heard you both mention talking about humility and a fear of God. And so you know, I know we're just beginning conversations. There's no way we're going to pack in solving this issue right. in, in the short amount of time that we have. So we're introducing these topics. But, you know, I do kind of want to bring it home to so that we can help develop our awareness about mm-hmm. whether we're subscribing to these things, like we mentioned last uh, time around. But do you see any 
low-hanging fruit to make it for us to reach for in helping heal these divides or or to just steward this kind of knowledge better? Like, how do we use that to unite us? Or, you know, what what do you see with with something like that? Yeah, I I think it's really clear through scripture. We're we're seeing the scientific community mm-hmm. put a lot of fear. Mm. You know, wow. think of words like climate change. Think of words like follow the science or old earth, new earth. You hear about these things mm-hmm. and it's causing fear. But if we are to fear God, you know, and keep his commandments um, in first John, it talks about there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who um, the one who fears is not made perfect in love. And so we think that the opposite of hate is, or the opposite of love is hate. It's not. The opposite of love is fear. Hmm. And so looking at people that are fearful because of these, these narratives that are being put out there, looking at them through the eyes of fear, we can show love and compassion. Mm-hmm. And as Brian says, we can have grace on them because mm-hmm. they're fearful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think from my standpoint, and, and I'm going to, state this several times through through this series and it's an acronym and it's an easy acronym for people to to know and it's the acronym love so as christians we're called to love other christians or non-christians that that is the virtue this the spiritual fruit that should be characterize our life but if you break it down into to um, an acronym l could stand for listen so you listen to others mm-hmm. you know you hear what they have to say don't don't sit there and start arguing with them don't don't start judging, but listen to what they have to say. And then you can offer your thoughts. You know, here's here's where I here's where I am I'm at. And do that humbly, you, you know, with an open heart, with a compassion heart. And then given the opportunity, the V is voice your understanding of God's word. Okay, here's here's how I understand the scripture text. But in all things. The last, the ease, essential. Embrace them in Christ. So whether you agree with them or you don't agree with them, mm-hmm. whether they are completely opposite theologically or their worldview is something, you still have to embrace them in Christ. So listen to them, offer your thoughts humbly, voice your understanding of God's word, mm-hmm. but remember to embrace them with Christ. Because a lot of times we come out, we want to attack, we we give our opinions. And then we basically slam the door in their faith and it's like, there, there's nothing. But if you have a humble heart, you're listening, you're offering thoughts, you're, you're voicing your understanding of mm-hmm. God's word, but then you embrace them. There's so much more grace that yeah. happens in that, that type of situation. I think we need to take a moment and drop the mic. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 don't. They're expensive. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. I love it. Well, I mean, and this is all some very heady type of stuff. We're talking about scientism and what goes hand in hand with that is our second topic mm-hmm. today, intellectualism. So let's dig into that a little bit more as well and begin another big giant discussion that we can all take forward and think about for the next several weeks, probably intellectualism. So the text that uh, we have from that in Ecclesiastes The author writes, I, the teacher, was king of Israel, and I lived in Jerusalem. I devoted myself to search for understanding and to explore by wisdom everything being done under heaven. I soon discovered that God has dealt a tragic existence to the human race. That's Ecclesiastes 1, 12 through 13, again, the New Living Translation. 
Um, I don't know about you, gentlemen, but tragic existence is a very <laughs> dramatic, heavy term to yes. understand on a first take. Jeff, can you help us kind of clear up the understanding of this text so far? Yeah, you know, this is an amazing, amazing text, putting it into context and understanding who the writer is here. It seems to me that not only is he a serial reader, he's a serial writer, um, you know, and what that means is he's always reading, he's always writing, he's he's thinking these things through, um, everything he, got, he could get his hands on. And if it's Solomon, as Brian and I mentioned yesterday, we believe it was Solomon, you know, he wrote Proverbs, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, and probably many other things. And it's interesting, during this time, Gentile nations were sending delegates to Jerusalem um, to hear from this man, you know, or Solomon. Even the Queen of Sheba came from the ends of the earth to see and to hear the wisdom of this man. And, um, and that's why he went on in verse 16, and he says this, I have magnified, increased wisdom more than all those who are over Jerusalem before me, and my mind had observed a wealth of wisdom and knowledge. And all of his learning, he found it was meaningless, even madness and grief. And so it's important that we understand that he's not talking about the wisdom of God. He's talking about the wisdom of man, the under the sun perspective. And so this is what he had spent his entire life doing, mm -hmm. talking or reading and writing about the wisdom of man as well. And that is what drove him crazy. So when we think about um, the wisdom of man, it's derived from um, philosophy and religion and sociology and history and psychology and logic. He's studying all of these things and he found them meaningless mm -hmm. because God was not part of them. Wow. And that's why he came to that conclusion. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I can understand the use of those yeah. words, tragic existence. Um, it's not going to leave my mind today. <laughs> well, Brian, can you help us connect the dots to uh, this related ism? What about intellectualism? Yeah, intellectualism is a system of thought is, is closely aligned with scientism. So I'm glad that Jeff paired them together. But it, it emphasizes the development and use of the intellect. And essentially that identifies most of things in life can be understood through the intellect, the mind, um, and, and it's largely synonymous with rationalism, which is knowledge derived from reason. And let me say it again, that we are champions of reason. We're champions of logic. We're champions of science properly interpreted and done. So science and reason and the intellect is not the problem. It's, as Jeff said, it's largely the abuse of it or misuse of it or in times misunderstanding mm. of our intellect, thinking that our intellect, either on a personal level or at a corporate level of humanity, can solve or answer the big questions of life. Huh. And let me just say something here. Both scientism and intellectualism have difficulty answering certain questions, contrary to the idea that we, you know, science could solve everything. Here's a few questions that really science has yet or really will never be able to, to answer. How did nothing create something? Mm -hmm. So 
the the best you know scientific explanations as well the the universe has always been and it always will be and 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 there's different theories i won't get into the different theories i know them but i won't get into them but it still doesn't solve the problem how does nothing create something and then the big bang shows that there was some sort of beginning so how did something and in in the answers usually get well in the beginning there were these natural laws and there was there was these light and everything. You go, well, no, you're describing something. So tell me how nothing created something. <laughs> and they're going, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. So there was there was gravity. Okay, that's something. So tell me how nothing, zero, nothing created something. And you you, you see the point. So how, how does nothing create something? Two, how does non-life create life? You know, it, we can't replicate it in, in the scientific labs. We can't. So how did non-life create life? Another question, How how does... Even life create consciousness, right. you know, so a tree, you know, but how did it create, you know, this brain and this consciousness? And then, you know, a broader thing is how did randomness and chaos, which, you know, a lot of scientism and, and, and such purports, how did it create complexity and order? So there's so many different questions that neither scientism or intellectualism can answer. And honestly, when you weigh those and you look at their answers, and I have, they're found wanting. Mm -hmm. The only, I think, plausible good explanation is put forth by a theistic evolution. I mean, theistic uh, point of view, yeah. where God created this. A living, personal being created all that is. And then it begins to make sense of everything else um, in life. I think it's it's kind of just incredible how much responsibility God expects from us to not just kind of, you know, pick one horse. This one thing is going to answer everything. It's not going to. You have to really access all of you, you yeah. know, and all of these different ways to consider and to encounter, you know, life and all these big giant questions yeah. that you're talking about in order to really find the truth. Yeah. And look at Jesus as the example. In Luke 2, the only place where we find Jesus really a student, we learn that he grew in wisdom, so he grew mentally. He grew in stature. He grew physically. He grew in favor with man spiritually, and he grew favor with God. So it was a holistic approach to how he grew. And, and you're so right, Celeste. That is what we're supposed to be doing as Christians is growing holistically using the full orb nature of who God has invested us as humans. We're not just walking brains. We have bodies. We have a spiritual life. We have a social life. And all of those need to be nurtured and, and you know, uh, accommodated and as Christians in the love of Christ. Right. So, Jeff, you talked about your rocket scientist friends uh, a few minutes ago. And I, I want to know kind of your vision of how you've seen intellectualism taking shape um, in, in your experiences and, and what you've seen. Um, how does that kind of crop up? Yeah, it's the same thing. You know, when we think about schisms that have been caused by some of these isms in the church, you know, intellectualism certainly comes off as with some as being very prideful mm. and it lacks a bit of humility. And I didn't know this couple um, um, prior the, to them coming to our church. When I met them, um, I, I just assumed they were believers. Uh, they did become believers through our church. And I remember the conversation I had with them was very interesting because he started off the conversation by asking, what does it mean to be born again? 
And um, and I said, what do you mean? Aren't you not born again? And he says, well, I, I think I am. I just want to be certain. And so we went to John chapter three and he, he quoted that, you know, when Jesus said to Nicodemus, you know, unless you're born again, you cannot know the things of the kingdom. And he says, you know, I'm in my sixties. I've been studying science my entire life and physics. And for the first time in my life, I know, I understand the things of the kingdom of God. And so the answer to, to, to the question that we all have, how do we, how do we, what's the solution to this is the word of God. You know, because the word of God is what did it. it wasn't my excellent teaching or, <laughs> you know, my charisma or anything like that. It was just God speaking to him right. and really opened his eyes to it. And and that's how Solomon kind of ends his the book is, mm-hmm. you know, he he's talking about, you know, there's he's encouraging people to read as much as they can read, but to be a wise reader you know, to, to read everything, to understand the things of the world, but to read it alongside or with the word of God and, and to understand it through the word of God. He talks about, uh, it, the word of God being like a, like a goad. And I always said, yeah, a goad is a stick that you poke a, a sheep with, right. <laughs> yeah. To get him to go in the right direction. Yeah. And that's what the word of God does. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to read it because it's goading us in the right direction. Whereas some of the other things like intellectualism or Scientism might get us going away from God. God's word will always take us to God. Yeah. And, you know, and I don't I don't know what your perspectives have been, but mine definitely, you know, has been I have felt that there's a lot of fear towards even like you were saying in that acronym love to listen even to, you know, these kind of other perspectives and people that I was around were like, don't even don't read that book. Don't have don't talk to those people. Just come to church and just, no, no, no. you know, I was like. But if the truth is the truth, it will stand. And if I'm grounded in the Lord's word, it's not going to. I mean, I, I understand that we can get pulled into some really you know, toxic mm-hmm. trains of thinking. But I feel like when we're grounded in the Lord, we don't have to fear even listening or encountering those things. And that's how we can try to seek that balance. That's is right. So good, Celeste. I couldn't that's have really said good. it better. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's honestly when, when you when you have a strong foundation, mm-hmm. strong biblical and deep relational foundation, listening to other people. And even quoting from them is a biblical principle. Paul, did he not do it? Right. He, he, he went around, looked at all the gods that were up there, and he goes, ah, I've noticed. And he used it and quotes it. Why? Because he was grounded. He was grounded in the reality, and he could have that open conversation with others. So Paul listened, if you will, to the culture around him. He offered his thoughts on those things. Then he voiced God's word. He said, hey, here's what you guys said, but now let me tell you what scripture has to say. But then ultimately, he, he embraced them in Christ. Right. So my love acronym um, is, is a very biblical acronym because we see people doing that throughout scripture where, where they listen, they offer thoughts, they voice what, script, what their understanding of scripture is. And then, but ultimately you, have to, you do have to embrace them in Christ. You don't want to leave them away where they're going, God, those guys are jerks you know <laughs> that's not the, so, the greatest impression yeah. to leave <laughs> so i just finished yeah. getting my master's degree and after three years of reading nothing but <gasps> theology books um i was going to india and i picked up a book i wanted to read a secular uh fiction book you mm-hmm. know because it's been three years so i picked up the count of monte cristo the unabridged version, okay. 1,141 yeah. pages. <laughs> right. I've never read anything like this. And I loved it because 
even they do talk a lot about the undertone of God is a message in that book for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I wouldn't call it a Christian book, but I remember reading it through and just going, I see God all over this. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you said that because that yeah. happens to me all the time, but continue. Yeah. yeah. That's really what yeah. I wanted to say is like, yeah. and that's, that's the point is if we're reading unwisely, we're reading for the wrong reason, right. you know? Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's going to leave you empty, but if we're reading with the right reason and we're seeing God through that, and that's what I love about tilt, it's, it's exactly what you're doing is seeing how God's. Yeah. And in in my book tilt, that's, that's exactly what I do. I try to find God's fingerprints in the Mm -hmm. most unexpected places and you, you you can find them because remember God's the author of all that is he, he is the great artist, the great creator and whether not we've abused and misused and we've done that. But you could still find God's fingerprints in the most unlikely places in a secular novel, in a secular song, yeah. in 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 the most places. And when you have the eyes to see, you you recognize and go, oh man, Lord, look, look at I, I I'm see seeing you. that. And that person yeah. may be oblivious to to your fingerprints, but they're there. Yeah. I I love it. And and you know, we are <laughs> just about at our limit here packing this episode with a bunch of stuff that we can all take home (laughs) into our social circles. And that is what we are lovingly charging you with as our listener to not just let it stay here, but think about these things and take these forward into your social circles, start these conversations, because that's how we can start bridging some of these gaps and, and healing our relationships and really just keeping the main thing, the main thing and not getting taken captive by systems of thought, keeping Jesus as the leader, right? (laughs) So thank you guys both so much for all of your incredible insights um, for for sharing them with us here. Um, And like we've been saying, our our hope in this podcast series is to show you that there's a beautiful and balanced approach to every ism that we're going to be going through. You don't just have to check out or not listen or keep your head in the sand in order to build or maintain unity in the church. On behalf of Pastor Jeff and Professor Brian, I invite you to join us in our next episode where we're going to be tackling the subject of hedonism and also materialism. I'm Celeste. Thanks for joining us. The gospel is the hope of the world, and the world needs more gospel-centered churches. That's why Cultivate by CGN exists. I'm Clay Worrell, Executive Director of CGN, and I'm here with my friend, Pastor Nick Cady. We want to take a moment to let you know about the Cultivate Church Planter Training Program. Cultivate has created the infrastructure to support the planting of 1,000 new churches in the next decades, starting in 2023. We follow in the footsteps of renowned church planters in the Calvary Chapel movement, embracing and adopting their rich heritage of church planting in order to transmit our values, theology, and philosophy of ministry to this generation and for those to come. You know, as church planters ourselves, we understand that planting a church is not an easy task but we believe it's an essential one. That's why we've created a range of resources to help you and your team prepare for the journey ahead. Our resources are personal, practical, and pastoral. Our program is from six to 24 months and is designed to equip you to lead a gospel-centered community wherever God has called you around the world. We also have a global team of mentors and coaches with thousands of hours of experience planting and pastoring churches, and they're ready to support you in the training phase, the launch phase, and in the post-launch phase of planting a church. 
With our guidance and support, you can feel confident in your ability to engage the world for Christ. So are you ready to answer the call of church planting? Together we can make a difference and bring the hope of the gospel to communities around the world. If you're ready to take the next steps and learn more about our church planting program, we invite you to visit our website at cultivatechurchplanting.com.